You're listening to a DM podcast. Hey, we are back in the football shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt, and Jeff King is here. G'day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And Jeff, you looked at Roger as if I was going to say hello to him first because we've moved around the room. Didn't you say hello to him first? Yeah, you no. say hello to you first. But was why it me? can't you say hello to me first? Sometimes you always say hello to Jeff. Alphabetical first. order. My brain only works in alphabetical no, order. No, is that right? Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Jeff comes before Roger. Gibbs comes before King. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. But no. <laughs> 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 that bit, the alphabet's complicated, though, isn't it? When you get to the G's uh, and the H's and the K's. All right. Um, I can deal with but it. But Roger, you can go first with what beers you brought. Uh, fridge beer. Fridge beer. Yeah, friend of the shed, Dirt Cummins. Oh yeah. Uh, let Can't me and dry. S- now you well no, it's, it's Dirk's gone up in the world a bit. It's oh. a um, mountain goat organic steam ale. Organic. Wow. But you can tell it's Dirk Cummins that's Why? been in my house by the other. Is it, is it sticky? The other, <laughs> no, the, the other fridge beer that's Are the left guinea behind, pigs dead? which my uh, good friend uh, Jeff. Is drinking. I was very, I very welcomed the gift as you arrived and gave me a a Canadian club and dry in a in a in a bottle today. That's brilliant. (laughs) Even had a fancy. The bottle's a bit fancy. It is fancy. It's like champagne. It's got one of those paper things that you break at the top. Class. And talking of class, I bought Audi wine. Award winning Audi wine. Award winning Audi wine. (laughs) Only gone back to Audi wine after beers last week. But between us, we've got CC and dry Audi wine and Steam Ale, which is now owned by Asahi. We were a disgrace. A disgrace. Well, we're... blame Dirk. Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll blame Dirk. Enough, yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, every week we start with a question, but before we do that, if you want to get involved in the Football Shed community, head to our Facebook group, Shedders and Volleys, uh, to talk nonsense about football. Um, there was a good chat on there that we will touch on later today, um, going on today. Um, or if you want to give us ideas for One Beer Wonders, which we haven't done in a while, we will get around to doing one. Um, or, if you're like Roger, you can send an email. No Did we get any emails this no, week? No, no, we didn't get any this week for you, Rod, sorry. Um, but you can email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. This week's question is about Man City. Man City. 5-0. No, but they did win 5-0 this morning. Um, Guardiola. <laughs> Man City's win sees them finish the day top of the Premier League table for the first time this season, becoming the ninth different side to end a day top of the table this season. Nine. That's the most within a single top flight campaign since when? So it's almost half the Premier League. I mean, 95, 96. I think it's 95, 96. It's not 95, 96. No. Uh, 2014, 15. 1986, 87. Ah. Not in the Premier League era as it ever oh, was. You confused me when you said Premier League, which yeah. is Premier League, yeah. Well, I discounted the 80s. Obviously, it was the 80s, Basically, John. me and Jeff have got that right and you've got it wrong. Yeah. No, yeah. That's, <laughs> no. no that's right. I think yeah, that's right. It's fair it's enough to discount that. I've said 86, 87. Ever okay. won the league. 86? Not 87, though. No. It was the 86, 87 season. <laughs> God. <laughs> and uh, I think well, that is pretty impressive that nine teams have been top of the league in one season. It's yeah, ridiculous. It's great. Soon it'll be West Ham. Long may, long may. Soon it'll be West Ham. <laughs> I mean, you're a little bit worried at the moment when you see the City machine rise to the top and the way they're playing as to whether we will get another 
no, change in leadership this year. We may have hit the record and now we're just going to stay there and it's done. Yeah, I think so. By the, by the looks of the game this morning. So Australia time, Man City play West Brom. West Brom. Away from home. Away from home. Um, and smashed them 5-0. 5-0. And shit, they were good. Yeah, 4-0 up at half time. Looked really good. And it was old school Man City. Could have been eight. It, yeah, it could have been a million. Like, <laughs> a million. <laughs> a million. Oh, it, was, it was a good pundit till then. A million. We're going to get a million today. <laughs> but they're just so much better. And West Brom really bad, though. They are really bad. Oh, they're a mess. Even Sam Allardyce thinks they're a mess, and he's the manager. Yeah, but this is one of those games, right? You see it every time that um, Sam Allardyce manages a side. There are games where he is written off before they start. That he's like, so be it. Don't we're we're going to get beat. This isn't the game we pay attention to, so free hit, whatevs. And arguably, in the first three minutes, West Brom were the better side. But, they, at home, <laughs> uh, sorry, away from home, last four games, they've lost 17-0 aggregate. Like, that's yeah, bad. It's, it's, it's terrible. I, I, when you watch this game, but there was a, so Leon Osman was doing the commentary. Did you watch this? Yeah. Time? Leon Osman was doing the commentary. And um, it was so funny. Like, you, you hear him go, oh, it's really surprising because, you know, Man City had just camped in their own half and West Brom were putting so much pressure. You just wouldn't expect this. It's, it's, it's amazing how well West Brom are doing. 1-0 Man City. It was just incredible. Absolutely incredible. I think apart from the fact that uh, Man City are hitting a vein of form which is reminiscent of when they were at their absolute pomp. They did it without De Bruyne, without Aguero and those two players will be coming back which is a concern for the rest of the league. But one of the talking points in this game is the offside goal. Yes, so the second goal was flagged as an offside, but they played on, scored the goal, and it turned out it wasn't offside. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the. I was going to say it's a late flag, but the lines person, um, assistant referee, assistant referee kept the. I tried to do the right thing and I still got it wrong. (laughs) Uh, The actual assistant, the human, the human assistant assistant referee referee kept the kept the flag down until they believed that the player became active. Yes, touched the ball. Which is the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do, although in hindsight it was very close. So the right thing to do would have been to keep flag down yeah. for the duration of the move until it then goes to VAR to be checked. Because some of the West Brom players did stop. You can and, see, you can yeah. see it in the footage. They, they, they yeah. genuinely stopped, and they not only stopped, but they pointed at the at the assistant referee to the Man City players, going, "No, no look over there. Yeah. The, the, the flag's up. Stop kicking the ball." Yeah. I, I, but I would, be, I would say here. However far we've come with technology, like what is one of the first things you are told whenever you get on play to the a, whistle a sports pitch? Play to the play whistle. To the whistle. Yeah. You don't do that. And you don't, I mean, Sam, maybe VAR changed it a bit, but just don't do it. It's stupid. And Big Sam came out afterwards and was like, "The assistant referee made one mistake. We made hundreds, so it doesn't matter." Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. It's not like that turned the game. Yeah, he's like, um, it doesn't make any difference. Like we, she made one mistake. We made millions. No, I do think... Well, I mean, good, yeah. on, good on you, Sam, for recognising that you made millions of mistakes. <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a fair reflection of the game and, your, and yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it was... It, it is an interesting thing because you, you did... Uh, by the naked eye, it was offside. When you look at it, it was yeah. offside. Yeah. And, and so much so, you almost thought it was petulant because if the flag goes up and you still... And you ignore it. It's like when the whistle blows and you ignore it and you kick it in the goal, you can get a yellow card. Yes. Yeah. So, so 
there, there is there is something about the flag going up and you continuing continuing to play that would make you think that you are then going to be punished for continuing to play. It is a really weird yeah. grey area to sit in the middle to continue to kick that ball in the net. Well, and it's because it's a brand new thing, isn't it? That now the ref the assistant referees are told to keep the line the flag down. down. Yeah, that it's kind of changed the way we play. So you see so many goals that are just never going to be a goal, but they have to play through the whole thing and then they go, oh yeah, it was miles so do you So do you think for her, she just l- forgot? Or, or it was just no, an error? Just, no, uh, I think she just thought it was offside. Just looked yeah. obvious. Yeah. It looked really obvious. I mean, I think it's the, there are significant shifts in the game that go against... Um, in the, the um, Ale and, and um, Jack talked about it um, when you guys had them on talking about how refereeing has, has changed. Mm. Um, uh, you know, with since VAR has has been implemented, and a lot of it, it's not just players having to learn; it's officials. And some of the things that have changed go against everything that you have been taught as a referee yeah, and a system. Spent twenty years doing a thing, yeah. and then suddenly, oh, this year you got to do it differently. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's obviously going to take time. So in some of those things, because I think particularly for. Assistant referees, got so much more of a mouthful than linesmen. <laughs> um, it is you have to react so quickly. You know, yeah. you that is the skill. Uh, one of the one of the main, apart from being pretty fit, one of the main skills. <laughs> you know, running up and down the line all day. But one of the main skills is that not only have you got to run up and down, and, and you know, you might be um, you're trying to make those decisions in the moment and you get a split second and you have to get it right when you've also just been running for 60 yards yeah. it's really tough and you've got to look where the ball's been and, kicked and what's happening on the line there and then go yeah I've got to stick my and it's in an instant yeah. and that is, but that but you do that so many times that that becomes instinctive mm. and a reaction and it is very hard to just say don't do that anymore change how you're doing that and so I think you know, I don't have too many issues with this one because I think you expect mistakes like this as we learn new skills. Yeah, it's, it's very good that it was in a five nil thrashing and yeah. not and not yes. in a one nil because it would have caused caused mayhem if it was. Yeah. Um, um, on Man City, how good is Gundogan right now? Like he scored right. two this morning, and he looks like the best midfielder in the world. Seven goals in his last six games. Top scorer in the league since the new year. It just, I mean, I... Go on, keep going, keep going. This is a fact well, off about I, I mean, the interesting thing... I can't spell his name. ...has the name of a Tekken player. <laughs> Gundogan. Gundogan. Gundogan wins. K.O. And scores lots, of, <laughs> scores lots of good goals. But my my thing was, it's not just Gundogan, it's also... Gundogan. Foden, <laughs> Silver's popped up with a few goals recently. They all look Sterling really good that, Well, but I think the thing is, like, Aguero hasn't been playing and one of the things that City were struggling with is where are their goals coming from? Gundogan. The, the midfielders Gundogan. stopped scoring goals. But now... Gundogan. Scored, scored seven. Foden's been scoring. All these, all their midfielders are suddenly chipping in with yeah. goals. And that is when City look really good. And Aguero's coming back soon. And even, even Mares scored his one goal. Yeah, you know when I say it's one goal, I don't mean that he only scored. He only scored one. Such a Mario's I mean, goal. Though. He has a goal that he yeah. scores, yeah. which is when he cuts it inside, takes touch, takes a second touch, and curls it in the far corner. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. is. It's almost Robin esque how he yeah. does that every given every opportunity, which is why when Sam turns around and says we made a million mistakes, you'd let Mares score his goal. Yeah. His one goal. Yeah. I think there is a little bit of an asterisk here in that this isn't the game to assess whether no De Bruyne for potentially a fairly long period um, makes a difference. 
West Brom were poor. I think you know City will play harder games, and I do think that um, you can't expect their level to continue without De Bruyne playing because he's the heartbeat of that team. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, one last thing on Man City: there's talk of Diego Costa going to Man City because uh, he left Atletico Madrid by mutual consent, mm. and they need a striker, and he's got Premier League experience. So you could just chuck him in there. And when is when has he ever done anything by mutual consent? Oh, there was definitely an argument and a punch <laughs> up. So, yeah, was... that, that bloke did not amicably walk out the door. Going, no. Oh, you know, it's fine. I'll just, I'll just trot off this way. Yeah. We're all cool, no? Yeah, no, no, you're right. no, no that no, didn't no. happen. Mutual, <laughs> but that's what the publishing. Um, um, I'm not sure. Does he fit with like? He's not. When you think of players that like fit into a machine, no, definitely doesn't. not. But you just need a finisher, and you can sign him for six months and just win the league. Do it. Yeah, it I, makes I, complete sense. I'm already sick of Man City, having yes. watched them this morning. It's already just too much of a flashback into the way they used to be that I'm now sick of it Shall already. we move on? Yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. Frank Lampard is gone. Thomas Tuchel is in. Tommy, Tommy Tuchel! Oh, wow. Is it, is it, we've got a jingle for Thomas. <laughs> 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 I quite like that one. <laughs> Frank didn't get a jingle. No, he didn't deserve one. But Tommy, Tommy Tuchel! You should bring CC and Dry for Jeff more often. Um, Thomas Tuchel is now yeah. manager of Chelsea. Frank Lampard's gone. That happened quickly, didn't it? it I, know, well, yeah. I know it's sort of been in, in, you know, in the wind for well, a while. Well, let's start but... on Frank. Did, did he deserve to get fired? Okay. Um, I'm flip-flopping on this because I've spent the last 18 months telling you that he's crap and he deserves to be fired. I don't like seeing managers given so little time, especially in the context of the project that Chelsea have underway. Mm. So I think for all of my bashing of Frank, I think what he did last year with the kids was quite impressive. Or at least hopeful. It was hopeful for Chelsea's mm. future. We all said it. We enjoyed watching Chelsea for the first time in a very long time last year. Yeah. And that's a, that, was, that was an experience for us all, shall yeah. I say. This year, um, you know, it takes time to integrate players. Am I saying it's... I'm saying sacking Frank Lampard right now because of his results is not fair. It's too soon. But if they were to turn around and sack Frank Lampard because they made a mistake and he was a crap manager, that's fair. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's, it's really hard. So should he have got the sack because of, because of where they are in the league and not being able to integrate players? No. That's, that's short-sighted. But should they have employed him in the first place? No. I, um, I have a theory about managers. You know they bring managers in like a big Sam mm. to go, well, we'll get you, you have to keep us up. And then when they keep them up, they give them another 18-year contract. 18-month uh, contract, sorry. Um, so you've done well for six months. Oh, now you can do another... No, he's not good at that. Yeah. So get rid of him and get a manager that's going to do the job that you need for the next year or two. Frank Lampard was the right manager for last year, whereas they had a transfer ban, they had young players, he knew the young players, and it was a kind of, it was a free hit. We mm. all said it was a free hit. Almost, you need to fire him. You'd ne it would never happen. They I know we in the summer, yeah. But you almost go, in the summer, thanks for doing that bit of the job, we don't need you for the next bit. What we need for the next bit is someone who's going to integrate these players and push them on. Especially we in, don't... That, in, that, in that quite specific set of circumstances, where, whereas... Because he knew those youth players from when they were in the youth teams and he was still playing for Chelsea. You know, players like Billy Gilmore and, and Mason Mount, they looked up to Frank Lampard like he was a father figure. Like he was a legend to them because they'd been at Chelsea so long. So that quite specific situation that he found himself in last year, there was no better person for that job. Yeah. Do they... We can be wrong on that though. 
I'm never wrong say, much. Well, what about Ollie? Because we've been saying that. Do you now? Have you now come around to a different way of thinking on Ollie or not? No, I still think it's a complete accident what he's doing. Okay. Well, so, but I, I, I agree with Jeff in that I think that Frank Lampard is probably crap. However, I think he should have got longer to prove to us that he that he was crap, particularly in a season where um, we've said that it's so react. You know, things change. It's a week to week proposition. It's been a weird season, and it can be crisis. It can literally be crisis one week, and then the next week everything is fine. And we talked about Chelsea as winning the league six so, weeks ago. They were top of the league. Yeah. So who's to say that they couldn't? Be top of the league now, in six now, weeks' time. Now shift that again. Yeah. And my I my only thinking is, I'm not surprised because it's Abramovich, but the only other thing that I potentially would put in here that we perhaps don't know about or we, you know, you're not really going to know unless you're in the club, is have the players been unhappy? Have they, yeah. have they been thinking, well, actually, we think we should be challenging for the league? Because they've got a lot of top players there and those players might be quite driven. And if they're all going, well, the weak link here is the coaching that we're getting and the way the team's setting up and we want to win the league, we're going to you know, not play for this guy. If things like that are happening, people in the club are aware of them. Yeah. yeah. No, and totally. and when, you, when you compare him to Solskjaer, right? And again, I'm flip-flopping on, on logic here, but Oli last year... After um, after nineteen games, had seven wins and twenty eight points. Yeah, okay. This year, Frank Lampard, after nineteen games, has eight wins and twenty nine points. Yeah, Man United stuck with Oli, and they're now top of the league. And I'm I not, think, I'm not yeah. like, I'm, that doesn't say stick with Frank and he'll be top of the league, but it does illustrate uh, that patience sometimes is it, good. Yeah. To me, it makes no sense to fire him now because. We're halfway through a weird season. We're not really sure. The, the league doesn't have a true reflection of how good a team is or how bad a team mm. is because we don't know who's played the same amount of games, etc. And it's strange. They've got new players in. There makes no sense to me to fire him now only because Thomas Tuchel's just become available. Wait until the end of the season. The person they really want was Nagelsmann. And he's not allowed... Well, he's just said, I'm not leaving until the summer at Leipzig. Just wait. Mm. Like, I'm not under. Sh- I'm not sure what this is achieving by getting rid of him now, throwing in Tuchel there, and it might change it, and they might go bang, and it's always what Abramovich does, and he'd be like, "Yeah, see, it worked." But it must be frustrating as a Chelsea fan to just go. I, he's always done it though. Yeah, you're right. I, I I agree with you, but I just I think the only thing you'd say is that he has a track record of doing this and being completely ruthless with the managers. And I mean, I suppose all you can say is at the end of the day, in that, the time that he's done that, Chelsea have been very successful. Yeah, they have. They've won everything. Exactly right. It's almost, it's a less extreme Watford model, you know. For me, I just need to understand why you've done it. And if you've done it, because, not you, John, I'm looking at you, you did not (laughs) sack Frank Lampard. But, (laughs) If Chelsea have fired Frank Lampard because their league position is not what they want it to be and their results are poor, I think that's a bad plan. If they are firing him because they have seen that he's a limited manager and his substitutions are bad, his in-game management is 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 yeah. emerging as a skill for him yeah. and you're not willing to let him do that on your dime, fair, fair enough. But then 
that shouldn't have happened now after poor results. So that le- yeah. leads mm. me to think that you're doing it because you're thinking results aren't turning around. This man doesn't know what he's doing. I'm like, actually, if it's results, you've got a problem here. Unless that's an excuse or the catalyst, and this has been they've been thinking about it, been this, thinking yeah. about it for a while, and then they go, oh, here we go. The results have gone bad. See you, Frank. Yeah. And but Abramovich did release a statement for Frank's firing, which he's never done before. So if mm. any manager, Jose Conte, anyone, he wrote a personal statement which is rare so I think that's uh, but I think he's self-aware enough to know that Frank Lampard is a Chelsea legend well, yeah, he's and he's very, piss off well, a lot very of well thought of at the yeah, club so he probably needed to they also went in for Tommy Tommy Tuku just before they got Sarri so, yes. so they've actually wanted him for a while so yeah, him okay. becoming available would yeah. have been a, le- a lever that was too yeah. tempting it's, it's an to interesting pull. appointment too because obviously he he left PSG because of um not necessarily footballing reasons, but because he fell out with the hierarchy of the club and mm. same at Dortmund transfer policy. That's why he left Dortmund. Similar as thing well. happened at Dortmund, um, and now he's gone to trigger Abram- trigger finger and a brand. Roman's like. a nice chap; they'll get on well. But but it's kind of I'm I'm interested though to see because like how Tuchel goes. Like as a, I mean I I'm not sure I agree with the Lampard thing, and from a personal perspective, I would have liked to have seen him had. The season, yeah. I think he kind of earned it last year. And I do I enjoy how we're kind of all on Frank's side now, but we've been bashing him for the past eighteen. Well, months. no, I, I, I still think he's a limited coach, but I kind of feel like he. I mean, and it's not my football club, yeah. but I feel like he'd earn the opportunity to see at least season. prove to us that he's not crap and see out yeah. the season. Um, and because there's there is potential there that if he could work those things out, then then maybe he is a good manager. And is yeah. that not worth? The risk. And what's yeah. the point in giving him as much time as you've given him to get better if you're not going to then reap the rewards of him being better at his job? Yeah. Yeah. Remember, remember a few weeks ago we, we discussed that um, you could see it was exposed, you know, the game against Arsenal with no pressing and then they went and pressed against Man City and then they got... Yes. You know, you're watching the evolution of him as a coach. Mm. And yes, that's naive. And if it was your football club, you'd be going... Why do you not know these things? Why are you learning in public with us? But actually, what's the point in letting him learn if you're not going to stick with him? Like, yeah. And look at Oli and Arteta. They've both learned quite... They've both been quite exposed learning in public, but at least they're getting stuck with, you know? On Tuchel, um, on that kind of his learning in public, Tuchel's retired at 25 as a footballer because of a bad injury. So he's got 20 years of coaching experience behind him already. So you kind of... Presuming he's going to come in it's and very go in. different. And I don't know. I haven't watched Thomas Tuchel teams play and studied them for the last fifteen years and gone. But everyone seems to say he's a tactical mastermind. He knows what he's mm. doing and he plays lots of different formations and gets them all playing in a certain way. So I'm I'm intrigued to see how he does. Um, but I'm unsure whether he's going to be much better than Frank Lampard. But. But I'd, it's kind of interesting. It's the opposite. It's like I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, he's the anti Frank Lampard. Yeah. That's what um, Barney Ronay said in is the it? Guardian yeah, yeah. today. It's interesting because <laughs> yeah. because it, it feels like he is because yeah. he's he has a completely different methodology, completely different set of principles, and it's just going to be interesting to see. The world will move on very very quickly for Frank Lampard because he you can't shut your eyes and think of a Frank Lampard team. He didn't have one. Will he get another job? No, where's he go? Newcastle. Like, so someone in the championship will give him a job. I don't. I. Oh, the, the Do you know where he could go? He could go to Celtic. Would he want to go? Oh, yeah. 
It's all going wrong for Celtic at the would, moment. But, I mean, would, would he John, want to I go to the that. Championship? Cool. That is a great call. I think it's far more likely that he sort of disappears for 18 months and then jumps on the uh, the pundit train. The uh, Sky Sports yeah. money train. Miami FC. Into Miami, whatever it's oh, called. Yeah. Yeah. Phil Neville's out of a job yeah. already. <laughs> Um, well, let's talk about Newcastle and whether Frank Lampard will be their next manager. Um, but Steve Bruce looks like he's uh, maybe coming to the end of his ten- tenure. They lost to Leeds this morning, but they look so crap. And we've talked about Newcastle looking crap and they don't know what they're doing and they've forgotten how to attack. But will Ashley actually ever get rid of him? Or no, are, we just, are we just going to watch Steve Bruce in this slow turgid death till the end of we, we said this or I said this last week I think that it will only happen is that if Ashley thinks they're in danger of getting relegated and I think at the which moment which they are well no I think he'd look at the league at the moment and be okay but I think if all of a sudden if those teams below them win a couple of games and it closes up that's yeah, when panic stations and I mean the other slightly interesting backdrop to this is obviously that Benitez has left his club in China yes. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not going to go back to Newcastle oh, not, you wouldn't not, think so. not when Mike Ashley's there he's, no. he's going to go to a big European club without uh, ownership dispute like at Newcastle it's a basket case I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I feel kind of a bit dirty saying this but I'm going to defend Seabury slightly on this morning's performance okay you're a little bit better today I do actually think they were a bit better today. I, I don't get me wrong; they, they were poor, but I do think there was a. They did improve, and Almiron um, looked like he was a quick-minded, quick-footed player, which I haven't seen in quite a while. And Saint Maximan came on, and you suddenly went, "Oh, something's going to happen." Yeah, ex- exactly right. And, and don't get me wrong; I mean, Leeds will smother the best of the best of the teams in the league, and in a, a team that's so poor of confidence. You will get smothered by by Leeds, and that second goal. Who is he? Who scored the second goal for Leeds United this morning? Harrison, the left foot. Jesus, yeah. what a shot that yeah. was outside of the boot! Like you know, things like that happen against you when you're down on your luck. And and, and fair enough, he shouldn't have oh, had but that much I think space. Leeds should have won by more. Like they had, it was very Leeds, Leeds should always they, win. Well, more. They, they, yeah, I mean, I think Newcastle <laughs> were, were still. They might have improved, but Leeds were. This wasn't a one-goal margin to me. Like the Leeds were comfortably the better no, team. And Almiron did. Uh, I've just been um, complimentary to him. He did nearly fuck up his shot, which probably should have been should have been saved. Um, you know, keeper got a hand to it and it went to the roof of the, of the net. But I do think, you know, I've, for some reason, I've watched so much Newcastle over this last month. It's like been full, a bad month. Full games. I've just sat down <laughs> through Newcastle. I don't get why. It's just it's so it's big. Been at the it right just time. happens that, that I'm just invested in Newcastle's downfall. <laughs> but I genuinely saw something today that I haven't seen in a long time. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean a lot when you look at what I've seen in a long time. Yeah, but it just means that there were glimmers of improvement. And I think he's they have got those players. And we've talked about St. Maximan's one, Almiron's mm. another one. And and I think... Ryan Fraser isn't one. Ryan, Ryan Fraser's probably not. But I like <laughs> Almiron plays with a smile on his face. And when he... To me, he is like the kind, a, a classic example of a footballer that if they're happy and being able to do the things that they enjoy doing on a pitch then they will play well mm. and and he's also like he's got that work rate so I think you can still play him in a defensively minded system as long as you release the reins enough that he can get forward and he's quick that he, yeah, he can quick, run yeah. on and have, have opportunities to go forward and so I think and earlier on this year and last year to an extent he got that 
And, mm. you know, he's, we've seen him score goals, and I think he's definitely a Premier League player. But I just think the last few weeks or more now, last few months, that kind of has been just sort of squashed out of him. Um, yeah, and John Joe Shelby has been particularly awful during this last period. Yeah. He's just been a selfish twat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, John Joe. But well, he's, when, he's, uh, when things are going well... John Brilliant. Joe will play well. Yeah. When yeah. things aren't going so well, he'll be a selfish twat. He won't play <laughs> yes. so well. Yeah. Um, Jeff, you know you've watched quite a lot of Newcastle recently. Yeah. Do you know what the early kickoff this Saturday is? Oh God, Everton Newcastle. So that's what you'll be watching oh, Newcastle that's again. That's what I mean. I don't know why my life is like this, but I feel like a Newcastle fan. Because you're so, an Everton fan. Yeah. <laughs> if Newcastle fired Steve Bruce, is there anyone out there to hire other than Frank? Eddie Howe, absolutely Eddie Howe. You reckon Eddie Howe can do it? And he'll get relegated, <laughs> just like he did with Brian. <laughs> he'll have Brian players and he'll get relegated with them, but playing attractive football. What do you want from football, Jesus? Yeah, true. Fair enough. Um, let's move on to West Ham, who are now in the Champions League spots. They have played about wow. seven more games than anyone else. We're ignoring that. <laughs> and we, we've, we've said many a time that the league doesn't really tell the truth right now. Um, but West Ham are fourth, which, great. And they're playing well. They've won six in a row. But they have had a really good season. Like really, we say, really say really the league doesn't I'm, I'm, tell the truth. But, like, you know, West Ham have had the best season that I can remember them having in a long time. And they look like... They want to play for Moyes. They look like they have a plan. Um, we talked at the very start of the season about how hard their first 10, 12 fixtures were. That means they've played all those hard fixtures. So they've got half a season left to go, well, we've got the easier half of the draw now. Um, and in Thomas Suchek, they have the greatest goal-scoring midfielder <laughs> of all time suddenly. Yeah, well, but, I, but not just that. I think... Um, We've talked about this a bit. West Ham now have multiple ways to score goals. Do you know, Thomas Suchek, this is a uh, fact from Optus, since he arrived in the Premier League, he has scored the same amount of goals as Raul Jimenez, who has a breaking skull, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Anthony Martial. But if you exclude penalties, it's the same amount of goals as Jamie Vardy and Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. Like, that's impressive. That's excellent. He's got, he's got the knack. But yeah. he's just—I mean—he's a. You look at him and you're like, "What? What are this player's attributes that make him an effective footballer?" Obviously, hard, he's quite big, quite big, and he works hard. But he also has the ability to time a run. So he's one of these players that he just doesn't seem to get picked up. Yeah. He just finds that position amazing for such a big where, bloke. Yeah, whether it's a yeah. head, he's got—I mean—he's got quite good feet for being a big guy as well. And good mm. balance. There we go, Rog. Just get the get it in. Get <laughs> good feet for a big guy. But he just—I <laughs> love my cliches. But he just seems to have that ability. To that spatial awareness to yeah. whether it's coming into the box late or whether it's peeling off on the back post like he did today he just it always seems to be in the right place where the ball's dropping and that is a skill because we don't see that many players do that you know for as long as he's now done that and so you know that and that that's that's his attribute and so i think he, and he's a really he's so difficult to play against because he is so big and awkward like do you uh, you know does one of the center backs pick him up when he when he comes forward or is a midfielder tracking him back like it's not but i just the first west ham goal today was like sums up the good bits of west ham for me at the moment in that he had fornalis pass yeah antonio running over the in. top which was like a dink you know, yeah. a difficult pass to play. Yeah, and, a bit of and creativity. A bit of creativity. They're skillful player. That initial, <laughs> you know, break the team down. 
he's done that. Yeah. Antonio, who is the you know the physical run yeah. all day, yeah. gets in at the back post, keeps the ball in play with a karate kick, and then Suchek Suchek comes, comes the flying. Physi- the Moy's physicality then scores the header. There's all these little components, and they're all working. And I think you've got to give a tremendous amount of credit to David Moyes because I think the, he has pulled these bits together. This is now, we've said it a bit, this is a Moyes team. Mm, it is. They also have two good fullbacks. You, you can't look past them. So, so Creswell on the left and Kufal on the right. Is that how you say it? Kufal? Yeah, Kufal? yeah. Uh, He's um, Suchek's mate. Yeah, I actually, I think he's been what brilliant. What about, uh, didn't they bring someone in from Championship too? Don't know. Forest? Is this going to be one of those conversations where anyway, we go, sorry, can't yeah. name okay. a man? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think... Um, <laughs> I'll say, I just think Kufal has been... Is that a Kufal? Kufal, Kufal. Yeah, Kufal. But he only kept, has he been there for the whole year? Yeah, he came in the start of the season. Someone else was playing right back. Anyway. Letters in on a Ryan on those cards. I think he is, Kufal, one of the underrated players this year who is getting no airtime, but I actually think he's been phenomenal. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if, as we get to the end of this season... People start talking about him more and he gets in a few of these random little teams of the season. I think he's been excellent. Yeah, okay. There is no wing back that I can see from the championship, but they did sign um, Saheed Benrahma from Brentford. That's not what you're thinking of, Roger. You just got it wrong from the start. I think I'm Um, thinking of um, Matty Cash. Do you know who they did? He went to Villa. Yeah, Um, same colour. They did buy um, from the championship. It's Craig Dawson. Yeah. And he scored this morning... And Moyes is good at getting players, like you say, fitting into a team, fitting into a position that they need in the squad. Craig Dawson's boring as all hell. Like, but I do think he's a bit of a Johnny Evans. Like he underrated centre back. He, yeah, he's a very, very solid centre back. Doesn't make many mistakes. Yeah, you know, good. You know good, what you're yeah, going to get. Yeah, I, I, I think he's. What did I tell you last week? Pretty. A Moyes team. You want yeah. big midfielders you want two centre backs who are very, very happy to just defend. Yeah, and then you want people who are quick. Just, just zipping around but it's, and it, you hope for the best. I didn't think that West... I didn't think Moyes had it in him. And I'm wrong, because mm. I think he does. I also really didn't think that West Ham was the team for Moyes to rediscover his... Mo- like, if you're kind of... You're thinking about a team that matches mm. a manager, West Ham and Moyes are not a marriage made no. in heaven. And so I think even more... And I don't want to give any credit to the Dildo brothers, because I think this no. is an accident as far as they're concerned. But I think you have to give... Moyes so much credit for 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 coming in and, and he'd be aware of all that well he he said this morning after the game because obviously they're in the top four right now so officially they're in the Champions League spot so he gets asked can you get into Europe this year and his response was well we're just he's dead this is a bit of a boring response but we're going to see how we go take each game at a time and West Ham in the past has maybe aimed too high and yeah. it shot, we've shot ourselves in the foot. We're not going to do that right now. We're going to be realistic about where we go, how we're doing it. So he's not going to sit there and go, yeah, we're going to get in the Champions League. We're going to get the Europa League. He's going to do it the Moyes way um, and then get in the Champions League and lo- lose in the first round of the qualifying uh, like he did forever. But I, and do you and think another, West Ham fans are be enjoying it though? Loving it. Yeah. Well, I say loving it. I got a message today going, we keep on winning. Yeah. So it gets to the point where you're not loving the style to the point where you keep on winning and you're just loving it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, that's, and that's fine. You, know, you, 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 can, you can, You've been there. Yeah, you can, you can carve a turd into a dog and go, look at my pretty dog, when actually it's a turd. But you're proud of yourself because you've turned a turd into a dog. <laughs> Let's move on I've to... I've definitely uh, never heard that analogy. Can I, can I just say that oh, there cool. were another team in this game? 
Well, who was there? Yeah, there we go. Next. Oh, Palace. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, first goal, brilliant. Rest of it, don't care. Yeah. Mm. Oh, apart from Batshuayi, he still plays for Crystal Palace. Yeah, where, where wait, is I, he? I, I, yeah, I forgot that as well. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about. So, Arsenal beat Southampton this morning, three-one, and Southampton beat them in the cup at the weekend. So, we'll go into the FA Cup in a sec. So, Arsenal, who were holders of the cup, are out. Um, but I think it's a good. We can't work out if teams are having a good season or a bad season because the league's a bit all upside down and because we keep saying, this team's going to win the league. West Ham are going to get Champions League. It changes every week. Southampton, you would say, good season. Arsenal, you'd probably say, bad season. Arsenal was sat in eighth on 30 points. Southampton was sat on 11th on 29. So I would look at Arsenal going, you've had a bad season, but suddenly they're getting it all together. And Southampton, you go, oh, they've had a great season. It seems to be falling away a little bit so basically it's impossible to tell who's good and who's crap I think I'd also say that Southampton could have a really good season and still come 11th and that still be considered a good season I think Arsenal could not be considered to have a good season and finish say 11th so I think you've got to bring that into it as well but they I mean I I think in this game, like maybe we'll talk about Arsenal a bit, for, but from a Southampton perspective, I don't think they played badly. I think this was another game where their high line got found out a few times yeah. with the Arsenal goals, which is the risk um, mm. that, that that they that they play a bit, um, and they missed a few chances, and then Arsenal were, were pretty clinical with the ones that they got. But I, um, you know, Southampton would be fine. I, st- I still think they're having a good season, um, but maybe we were wrong about Arteta. Um, Saka really good it's really really good and we said this every week now mm. for like four weeks in a row he has more Premier League goals this season than every other teenager in the top flight combined wow how many is that wow I don't know it doesn't say the number here it just says every other teenager combined yeah I mean there, there obviously aren't that many teenagers yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Hudson Adoy is a teenager Mason Green was a teenager every one of them All I of them. just can't go <laughs> with this stat is that real <laughs> He scored a few goals. What it says on the internet. The internet's not real. Where, where, where are England going to play him? Can we have that conversation or not? No, no. let's wait until we know that there will be international football <laughs> before twenty twenty three. I want to play him, but he's not now playing left wing back no, for Arsenal. It's true. So. Um, let's go on to the FA Cup. So a bit of a roundup. Uh, as we said, the holders Arsenal are at Southampton. Wolves beat Chorley just one nil. Um, Chorley who play in the National League and the National League has now stopped because of Covid so there's a two week oh really circuit breaker thank you that's the word I was looking for circuit breaker um, Bristol City went through Rog I did um, uh, first time through to the fifth round in a long time it's because you're shit at football <laughs> basically <laughs> <laughs> thanks John that's alright um, Brighton went through West Ham went through uh, Man City, Chelsea, Spurs, Leicester, Burnley. Bournemouth went through with a goal from Jack Wilshere. Oh, did he score? He scored. Apparently, it was a very good goal. I haven't seen the highlights, but he scored this morning. Um, and apparently, it was a very good goal. Oh, wonderful. Wow. So, he's, he'll get injured next week then? Yep. 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 Just after they give him an 18 <laughs> month deal. They go, oh, he's, he's quite good. We'll give yeah. him 18 months, 100 grand a week. Oh, his leg fell off. Yeah. Uh, and Man United beat Liverpool 3 2. I thought it, you were going to skip that one for a minute. No, well, I thought. You I'd, skipped the Everton game. You see that? Oh, I said Everton went through, didn't I? No, you didn't. Oh, no, no I, did, I didn't. I did. I completely missed that one off. Did Everton win? Everton won. Oh, did anyone care? Yeah, loads. 3 0, didn't Loads you? of people. Oh, yeah, Everton's Convincing. youngest ever player came on. Oh, Thierry, Thierry Small. Yeah. Yeah. Do um, you reckon he's named after Thierry Henry? 
Maybe. Well, because uh, Thierry Small doesn't strike me as a French surname. No. So I was just like, cool. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But it was 16 years and a yeah. couple of days or whatever. Um, so Evans, the youngest player, took, did he take the record off um, James, James Bourne? Maybe, yeah. maybe. No, Jose Baxter. Jose Baxter. Oh, yeah. um, but he's basically played him because Bayern Munich is sniffing about. He's he's got scouts from all over Europe looking at him. Wow. He's meant to be meant to be the bee's knees. Is he a striker? No. Where does he play? Uh, I think he is a wing back. I oh, think. Nice. Um, no, you're thinking of um, Ellis Sims. Oh, that's the guy, a young yeah. Everton striker. He's now on loan at Blackpool. Who scored two goals in his debut? Came on 70th minute. This was a Man United Liverpool conversation, though. Yeah, John. Evan went on the list. <laughs> yeah, Man United uh, Liverpool was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, really unfun as a fan living in Australia that there's no highlights to find easily because they show it on ESPN at four in the morning, which I did not get up for, um, and missed it. But May night won three two, and Bruno I scores. Think with the a better side, um, and Bruno scores the winning free kick. He's doing his best to prove you wrong, Jeff, in terms of not it's standing true, up was, in the uh, big games at big moments. Yes. Yeah, yeah. slots the, oh, comes off the bench, that. slots the free kick. Fifth round of the FA Cup, big game. Comes off um, the sub. Good, good goals in this game as well. Though. I like that when there's like five goals yeah. and they're all they're all good ones. Good goals. I mean, Liverpool, uh, young Liverpool defender made a Reece mistake Williams. for the Williams. Greenwood goal, yeah. but it was still like I thought a really good ball by Rashford for yeah. Greenwood and Greenwood's good finish. Yeah. Did you find it a bit strange that Liverpool essentially fielded a weakened side in the Premier League last week and played the full strength side? In the FA Cup, so the other way round. Um, I just think that Klopp's not sure what his best side is. He doesn't know what works best for his centre backs at the moment. I think oh, so. Good. I don't know if he knows. and that's throwing him for the rest of the team a bit. Yeah. as well. I think because to me, to me, it just looked like you were such a weird lineup in the Prem. You remember with Shakiri and it was it was such a such a weird lineup. And Oxley Chamberlain and Shakiri on the on the wings, and it was Origi played. Origi played. And that, to me, is an FA Cup side. And then in the FA Cup, he's playing Salah, Mane, Salah, Mane Firmino. Firmino. Yeah. And I'm like, you've you've really put all of your eggs in this basket and lost, which means that you've you've lost in the league, and you've lost we in the cup. In the league, during yeah. the league, but but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's a very good seems, point. Seems weird. Um, I'm going to move on to a existential question. Love it, John. Ready? Um, so I mentioned to you guys last week after the pod that I was having a bit of an issue with football. And I wasn't sure as a whole, to, as a whole, okay. and I wasn't sure whether to bring it up or not. So I'm going to bring it up now. Um, but this season in the Premier League, I'm struggling to enjoy it and get involved in it, and I can't work out if I'm bored of it because there's been so much football over the last nine months that you're almost unsure what round a game it is, what who's playing who, what tournament it is. It just keeps rolling round, and there's no defined. It's this week, and then there's a break from football, and then there's some more games, or because there's no fans, and there isn't that passion, or because the players, the games maybe aren't as quite. There was the Christmas lull that we talked about, how it all just became draws, and everyone wasn't giving anything away. It's exciting that everyone's so close, but I feel like we're watching a league waiting for the last three or four weeks of the season. Um, I don't know if you watch Test Match Cricket, but sometimes there's really big lulls where you're going, oh, we're just waiting for the new ball to come. So we've got to wait for 25 overs and we watch two hours of nothing. Or any Australian sporting competition with their 
finals system. Yes, you're just waiting for the finals in the AFL. You just kind of the A League kind of goes into that drag period where you know the top five or six or whatever are going to be this. So you just wait. I feel like the Premier League's in this weird kind of drag scenario. And getting up at four in the morning is less exciting right now. <laughs> Even Man United at the top of the league. And I can't work out whether, yeah, why that is. I think it's all the things you just said. <laughs> it's all those reasons. Yeah. Like, it's not one... One single... No, I, I think it's all those things, John. I think we're all a bit tired. And it's to the point, like, I I completely agree with you. And it, like the closeness is great. But it almost almost even feels manufactured yeah and i know it's not but it's kind of like um you know there needs to be something uh because we haven't got fans and the football hasn't been as good and the players are obviously finding it hard but hey isn't it all really close and it's great because it's all really close but you still end up with yeah it's really close but it's also um you know the general standard and you enthusiasm know, and energy levels yeah. has all come down and I think from watching so luckily in Australia we can have fans in stadiums for things so watching bits of A-League or bits of the Big Bash cricket or the Test cricket and watching a live audience you suddenly go oh that's sport that's what I really like like watching the Indian fans in the Test match cricket and going nuts when they were winning you're just like this is brilliant yeah I went to the football last week and I had the same feeling just cheering a throw in <laughs> was super exciting. It was super exciting, you know. And go when the goalkeeper yeah. takes a kick like that's great. I, I'd say, you know, you're right about a lot, John. Um, wait, 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 wait. Let's end it there. Not in general. We're right. yeah, oh, yeah. on this it, specific. But for, for, so, let's make that very clear <laughs> for the record. So just, I'm just thinking off the cuff here, but I think football is better with context. So, yeah. so if if you were to go to the park and watch two great teams play. Fine, you're watching. You might be watching great football, but if I was to then turn around to you halfway through the game and say the team in blue are top of the league and the team in red last year first team died in the plane crash, these are all the reddies. Yeah. Suddenly, the game that you're watching is is now this phenomenal moment because of the context for which it's played, and I think that what gives football context. Well, you know, we've we've implanted this artificial structure to give football context, which is the league. Yeah, it's who is the best in a long period of time. That is the context of football, which is the reason why it's the context we put on football. It's the reason why when you get to the end of the season, you know those three, those draws, those points, those just those three points mean so much because they mean so much in the context of your football. So I think firstly, when you look down the league this year, and some teams have played seventeen games, some teams have played twenty games, some people have played sixteen games. Suddenly, the context of where you are has been, has been. Diminished yeah. somewhat, you know. I just said at first. I joked about it. You said West Ham are in the top floor. I said, well, they played about six games more. That's a joke, right? Yeah. But they have played three games more than the than the team who are three points behind them. Yeah. So contextually, if you're a West Ham fan, you look at that result and you go, yes, we're top four. But there is an internal caveat that you know that it's not really real. So, so the context that we've given football, because of all of the cancellations, all the postponements. One of the reasons, because of all the cancellations, all the postponements, means that that context is diminished yeah secondly fans mm. and fans give football context fans their love their hate their rivalries their their experiences last time you know the songs that they sing about individual players because of what they did five years ago 
give football context. How they act in front of those fans give football context. Yeah. We've taken that out. So you've got games that are, there's no home and away. So that, that, that going to visit a cauldron mm. doesn't exist anymore. When I say there's no home and away, pitches are the same size and you're yes. playing in an empty stadium. Yeah. So it is what it is. The yeah, difference is the training colour. pitches. Yeah. It's exactly right. And they, and they do this stuff all, all the time. So, so we've taken out with like three huge components of context. So of course it feels a bit... Yeah. And the last one I'd say is, is when you actually play games. So, so we are used to having all of these games happen at the same time, on the same days. Mm. So every, everything's on a Saturday, two games on a Sunday, or three games on a Sunday. It's brilliant. So you build up all week, no football, super excited. Football on a Saturday, yeah! yeah. The context of your week is looking forward to it. So the anticipation of football means that football is more enjoyable, just like the anticipation yeah. of Christmas. It's like, great, yeah. you got a Skeletrix, but you could have just gone to the shop and buy one, but it doesn't matter because it's Christmas, I got it, so I'm loving it. Yeah. It's the same as waiting for a Saturday to watch football. So we've taken out the anticipation, so the context of it all happening at the same time. We've, we've taken out the, the league construct to a degree. Yeah. Because it's it's diminished. We've taken out the fans and the home and away. So we're now sitting here with dribs of football all day, every day, and out of context. Yeah. So of course you're fucking over it. And you wake up every morning and you go, oh, Newcastle playing Leeds. Didn't know that game was happening today. Oh, watch that for a bit. Where are either of them in the league? Is this game important? And you just have no idea where you are in the league. And there's a whole, there's five more games tomorrow morning, and then there's one game on Thursday, another one on Friday, and then there's four exactly on Saturday, right. and four. And you're just like, what the hell is going on? And I can't work out what's going on, and I'm just finding it really a blurry mess. I think there's a t there's a time element to this as well, not just in terms of how many games there are in a short period of time, but <clears throat> last year. We had the break because yes. the season stopped. Yeah, everything. All right, and I think then which it, was worse than not having football. It was worse, worse than well, having but, football but now. That that was part of the context that we then viewed the rest of the season in because yes. we hadn't had football, and so this weird football, like we watched. Borussia Dortmund versus okay. Schalke. And we were very, very excited. We were so excited <laughs> because it was the first game that we could watch. And yeah. we were like, well, this is a bit weird because there's no one there and it feels like a training drill. Don't but get the ball! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so that, you know, there's that, that's really important. There's that context. And so throughout the rest, like the end, the second half of last year, for me, I felt like the whole way. I was like, well, football, at least we've got football. Yeah. Things, life's, you know, a bit crap and, and weird. Tough, and yeah. we're all in lockdown. Football's here. It's great. It's not football like I know it and I love it, but it's still football. It's way better than that time a little while ago when we didn't have any, any football. Yeah. Great. But then we've got to the end of the season and then the season started again. And for me, I think there's a, a shift from. I've forgotten now about that bit when we didn't have football and I've got used to football as it is at the moment, yeah. which is this slightly soulless, friendly, glorified, friendly spectacle and I don't like it and I want what I had before all that, which was fans. So you're kind of looking ahead to me now. There's this element of this is a filler. And yeah. God, can we please get back quickly? You know, like maybe there's kind of a, there's also a little bit of things on the horizon because maybe there's a vaccine and hopefully the UK is a basket case at the moment, but hopefully things might improve, maybe, yeah. please, yeah. so that we can get fans back in football. and football. And so you're looking at that and that impacts the way you're watching the game too 
Because you're now not thinking this is great because it's something. You're thinking I want the thing that's better than this. And we had a little teaser of a few fans coming back. Like Everton had fans yeah. and a few teams up north had a few fans in. And you're like, oh yeah, it's coming back. So it's brilliant good. to watch. And yeah. now like the National League, as I said earlier, has been closed down. And we're back into a point where no lower league football is being played. You just have this watered down Premier League happening that... Also, because there's not much sport happening in the world, there is a saturation of media about the football. Like, I know we record a podcast, but BBC's daily, Guardian's basically daily, Football Ramble's daily. It's just, like, football, football, football. But there's actually nothing to talk about. So it's just kind of Mm. this weird circle of kind of... just talk about Frank Lampard for an hour. And it, and it's in the context, the, the, we've replaced football in context with global context. It's within the context yeah. of a pandemic. So it's not surprising that it's all a bit weird. It feels a yeah. bit weird. This all feels a bit, because then you have the guilt, like the, what are we doing? Yeah. Why are we putting so much energy and time and money into this when, when everything is so fucked? When the UK's a mess. Yeah. yeah. So, so then, so you, you have that and you have to reconcile that and you go, well, is the football worth it? comparatively to the rest of the country being in such a state and that plays rightly yeah. so with your enjoyment of the game yeah you know talking from a football perspective you you can't just wash your hands with it you know we, we spoke for a long time about the Saudi takeover of Newcastle United and going well where's your line yeah we're all accepting that there is a line that football it's fine to do what we're doing when the rest of the world shouldn't be doing that but it's okay for football because we're entertained by it and we're so going to put footballers through that yeah. because they are our entertainment they are our circus performing monkeys that we get to talk about once a week in, mm. in the football shed so we've replaced this context of of structure with the context of mayhem and our guilt is real wow so we don't have any answers on, on the fans being back in the stadium so did anyone i can't i'm racking my brain to remember who it was this morning that scored but they ran off to the crowd with their finger over their mouth to shush the crowd and i was pepe. like oh no it was, was, pepe was it pepe? oh it was pepe for arsenal and i was like well oh, hang on what are you doing? Quite, no... That's quite successful, Pepe. No one said anything. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he's shushing the pundits. Oh, yeah, maybe. No, I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked that question, John. I think that is a question not too often discussed. It's a topic not too often discussed, and I actually think that it's quite a... Yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because it's point. been going round and round in my head, and I don't think I'm the only person who's thinking it, and I obviously would not. No, I, I, I think there's, all for all of the reasons that we talked about, it's real. However, I don't have a solution for no. you well, what, just keep football keep football yeah. yeah but I think the thing that I also is most pertinent to me is that I'm really looking forward to the end of this season and not because I just want it to finish but it's going to be closer than ever and I think everyone knows it's going to be closer than ever and we're going to get just to want to get there three or four or five games and go there's six people who can win the league and there's six teams that can top 12 can still get into the Champions League Man City are going to be 20 points ahead by then John don't worry (laughs) and then it'll all be over Um, let's move on to side stories Um, does anyone want to start with side story yeah have you heard of the Union Standard International Group no they sound like a bank USG you recall um, USG seeing the logo anywhere no USG sponsor Sheffield United. Okay. Sponsor on Sheffield United's shirt. Now, USG have just gone into administration as a, as a company. 
uh, through fraud. So they've just been delisted on the on the Australian company's house, the uh, yeah. ASICs or whatever. So it's an Australian company. Yeah. What they were doing was essentially it's a Ponzi scheme. So they were taking money. So they were going into markets where you weren't allowed to gamble, like China and Taiwan, mm. selling essentially stocks. And the stocks were reflective of player value. And they were saying if the player value goes up, oh, I did see this. You earn a return on your on your wow. stock, and they were promising an average return of nine percent for your money. So in countries where you're not allowed to gamble, you can still trade stocks on the ASX. Yeah. So this company, it's kind of like a game. Yeah, like a- yeah, but these guys took it took it really far. So to the tune of millions and millions mm. and millions. So their sponsorship deal with with um, Sheffield United was eighteen million pounds. Jeez. Right. They've gone under. All the money's gone. Because what they were doing is they were paying out dividends from the cash of new members. So people who were putting oh. more money in to buy these shares, they were paying them out as dividends and then banking the rest. It is a huge scandal. Wow. Um, now, I, I was learning about this through the financial news in Australia. So it's nothing to do with football, but just you wait. So... Not only will this um, this affect betting markets all over the place, but this will affect the Premier League because of Sheffield United. And I'm sure when there's something like, what is it, 12 out of the 20 clubs are sponsored by betting companies, there needs to be some kind of oversight onto what we're promoting because Sheffield United will have played a part in a Ponzi scheme by yeah. simply having that logo on their shirt in emerging markets like Taiwan and China. But it's a bit weird and it's not... They're not betting on something real. In that they're not it's about they set player values and oh, trying to I was reading about it. It's just weird. It's so kind of I could decide it's, it's a bit like fantasy football. I so could the, decide that Jesse Lingard's worth ten million and then actually now he's gone up to twelve million or he's gone down to eight million. No no You no, don't Rog. decide that the, the these are two different things. There is a there is an app that is what you're talking about, which is like a fantasy football. This is the a stock market version of value fluctuations of players it's a similar concept but different company model. Uh, no i think this is the one you talking about is the one i read but it's the 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 values what i mean is that the 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 values of the players don't they set that like yeah, it's, it's part a, of the yeah so you invest in neymar yeah and if neymar set, is worth 100 million and neymar sells for 150 million you get 50 percent on your investment because you've invested yeah. uh, your but it's, money but that's in what i mean by like it's a game like it's not these aren't values of a player and something real and tangible yeah, yeah you're not They're actually buying anything yeah. so when it, only within that system so when coronavirus happened and all of these values plummeted everyone's like well can i get my money back like what money yeah. you yeah. don't have any money it's, it's all gone because what was worth 100 million pounds is now worth 10 million pounds because no one's buying any players you bought into it it's all gone yeah. whilst they're funneling cash in the back Jesus. end Jeez. Um, Rog do you have any other uh, happy finance stories no on a, I've got a, a lighter note but it's important news in that um, <clears throat> there's a new record set last week I don't know oh. if you saw this for the longest goal scored oh, yeah. in a competitive match longest distance yes Tom King 96.01 metres he's the Newport County goalkeeper He's always Tom King balls. But it was from a goal kick. Yeah, inside the. But I always thought you couldn't score direct from a goal kick. Bounced. And it's got to touch someone. Doesn't have to touch someone. Yeah, that's. I always thought that's the rule. Oh, 
So yeah. maybe it was a free kick for offside or something. Yeah, it must maybe. have been. But I'm just like I'm looking at the picture and it looks like a goal kick. I'm it, like, well, I that think can't it was be a goal right. kick. Yeah, well, it could be, you can't unless they change the rules. Or unless the goalkeeper got a fingertip to it or something. No, no one touched it. Um, but about, anyway, it's 96 metres. Yeah, so long way. I don't reckon I could kick a ball 96 metres. The wind helped, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Even with the wind, I could kick yeah, still. With a big old gust of we, wind. We, we played foot golf, I could barely make it out of the penalty <laughs> yeah. area, I reckon. Par five with 96 metres. So yeah. it beat uh, Amir Begovic's goal for Stoke, which you probably remember, oh, I remember that. that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, talking of new rules, there's talk of a new offside rule after the Tiara. I'm going to get this wrong. So Mings chests it down, and then Rodri from Man City came in and took the ball off him and mm. scored. Who was in an offside position, position in the yeah. next phase play? Um, there's been a great discussion on the Facebook group Shedders and Volleys between Phil, Kean, and Trev about this new rule. And rather than me reading out the whole thing, just go and search Football Shed on the Facebook and look at the group and read it because. The three of them all know what they're talking about and say lots of great things, and I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I, I, exactly right, John. <laughs> I, was, I was reading that today. I was reading the rule, and then I saw the, the chat on the Facebook group, and I thought, oh, well, shit, they've done it better than we can. So if, you, if you're interested, jump on jump on our Facebook and have a look at what they're yeah. saying. It's, it's a good discussion. There's an and element Rog, of it that get I, Facebook that so I you can like. Have a look. Well, there's a, a, the part of it that I like, like there's the ins and outs of of whether it's the right thing to do. But the thing I think that it's important to recognise as well is that IFAB have, you know, reviewed what's happened and the reaction probably and decided that they're going to change the rule. Mm. So that is going to happen. Um, and I think the reason that we're focusing on this rule is because of VAR, because, and we've talked about this a lot, because it now... Uh, brings into focus some of the rules we didn't really think about much before and then we realised they're no longer um, fit for purpose yeah. with VAR. The handball rule was another and I've mm. had changed that this year when some things happened and they reworded their guidance. Now, the important thing for me is that that's happening, that it's evolving. It's not just like... Um, we've said this is what it is, this is what it is. So what you're saying is chill yes. out, we're all fixing everything. Well, but I, yeah. yeah, I have it's, faith yeah. That, yeah, it's that it's evolving. And yeah, that, that that's the, to me, that is the important part of VAR. And yeah. it's the reason why I've <clears throat> still really struggled with the um, offsides where the system isn't accurate enough to give them because yes. it's, it's one where they're doing the opposite. They're mm. just going, no, that is what it is. Whereas I'm like, well, no, it's Work not. out a system that works. Yeah. yeah so, but I do, I, so whenever I see this and they take, you know, they look at the decisions, they take that stuff on board, it makes me think we can get it right. Um, anyone got anything else? Um, yeah, I just wanted to nod to um, Craig Foster. Oh, yeah. Now, this is a... Um, Australian footballer and now pundit. Yeah, I, I or no longer pundit. Love-hate um, love, relationship with Craig Foster. The Foz. But it's slightly weird in that... Um, this is from... Uh, my news source for this is the local newspaper in Warnable. So, for anyone who doesn't know, Warnable is a small shithole of a town, <laughs> yeah. three and a half hours away from Melbourne, where Rog spends... Sorry, sorry to anyone in Warnable, <laughs> fairly accurate. <laughs> where Rog spends a fair amount of his holiday time. Nice speech. Um, but anyway, so, uh, Craig, there's the bit of controversy around in Australia at the moment with the honours system. Um, yeah, Margaret Court getting Margaret fucking Court, let's not give her yeah. any more airtime yeah. than, than that, but... Um, uh, Craig Foster was also awarded um, the member of the Order of Australia for mm. his charity work that he does with refugees. Yeah, and because he um, did a lot of work with the guy who played for Pasco Vale. Hakim. Thank you, yeah. I can't remember his name. Um, so, and that got a bit of publicity, but it's not 
just that. Like he's a real advocate for um, refugee rights in Australia and um, mm. the rights of first Australians. And I think, you know, this is, I mean, the reason this article was in the paper is because it's a time when we should be thinking about those things, obviously, yeah. with um, Australia Day. And 26th Day. of January, yeah. Um, and, but so he's essentially, he's left his role now at, at SBS as a pundit, mm. um, essentially to pursue... Um, Doing you know, this full time, his, his, yeah. These these social goals that he has full time, and like he's he's you know he's done a lot and he's very active in that space. And I just think that that's really important. And, you know, he has a, a migrant history, as so many of us do in Australia. Yeah. But he's now obviously he was basically this article was just saying that in you know in the interview now that he's got a couple of initials next to his name, it just carries a bit more weight when he says yeah. something, and so it will add to his cause. And and I mean, I just think that stuff's great. You know, somebody that is using their, um, you know, their bit of publicity and <clears throat> the fact they're in the public eye to achieve something good. And yeah, I think um, I think it's brilliant. And I think Jeff said at the start he had a love hate relationship with the Foz, and I do as well to a point where I didn't enjoy him as a football pundit in any way, shape, or form. I thought his football punditry was too serious, and it was over heavy and he kind of often forgot to just enjoy football's great in it it's really good um me having said that about how football's been depressing this year <laughs> is completely oxymoronic but um his attitude to these kind of issues is brilliant and i love the way he went through the thing with hakeem the pasco vale footballer and he's just dived into it and gone you know what and it he just loves it and he's so passionate about it and puts so much effort into it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Nod to Craig Foster. Foster. Um, I've got a couple of other things. Transfer window in side stories. Matt Ryan, talking of Australian footballers, gone to Arsenal. I just what? put weird question mark with this. When did he stop playing for Brighton? I missed that. Well, they got <laughs> dropped. he got dropped about yeah. six weeks ago and then they, they've got another cheaper guy who's sub-goalie that they can have in as sub and they went... We'll get rid of you. Cheaper, younger, floozy. But I yeah. think he's quite good. Like, he's been a good goalkeeper for a few years. He is pretty he good. He's pretty... Oh, I think he's a very good shot stopper. Yeah. I don't think he's a football-playing goalkeeper. But I think he's a great shot stopper. Yeah. That's not enough in the Premier League now. It is when you're a relegation candidate, which however much Brighton want to spin it, they are. True. No, that's very good. Um, that was a nice ding. <laughs> um... Morgan Sanson. Has anyone heard of Morgan Sanson? Uh, only that he's coming from the French League. Yeah, he's going to Villa for 16 million, playing centre midfield. Apparently, he's quite good. Don't oh, know. Can I just say how much I love watching Aston Villa at the moment? Yeah, of course. I absolutely love it. I really do. When when Barkley and Grealish play together, it's just so fucking great. And McGinn the, and. The pomp that they both have. They, they both control the ball so close to them and they can move it left and right and, and they they slow the game down intentionally to make a pass I just I I just love watching Aston Villa I never thought I'd ever say it but I love <laughs> it it's so much fun they play Burnley away tomorrow at 5am so I reckon Burnley will ruin that yeah I reckon they probably will yeah <laughs> um, Tomori Chelsea centre-back's gone off to, to Milan. Milan. Yeah, on loan. He played this morning in the Milan derby, came off as a sub. Jesus, that, that kicked off, didn't that it? That all kicked off. So Slatan scored and then had a fight with Lukaku, then got sent off. Did you hear what he said to Lukaku? 
I, I don't know, but it doesn't sound like it was nice. Should I, I probably shouldn't repeat it. No, it's not nice. Yeah. It's just not nice. <laughs> it's just not yeah. nice. But he is Zlatan, so... He, but know. they were teammates at United. They don't like yeah. each other, yeah. Does Zlatan like anybody apart from Zlatan? No, that's fair. No, good point, yeah. Um, and in it, one in the end, which I quite liked. Uh, and Jesse Lingard's going to go to West Ham on loan, possibly. That'll ruin West... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it will. He's crap. He really... Like, he's... Just he was never good. No. Just yeah. think it's one of those weird ones, and um, hasn't happened yet. But uh, Real Madrid whiz kid Odegaard, Odegaard coming to Arsenal. I'm yeah. quite excited about. Yes, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Has anyone got any more side stories, or no. is it no. end game? Just looking forward to losing another end game. So it's the new end game where the games master this week is Rog, who's on two points. I'm on one. Jeff is on zero. Zero. Jeff's having a crisis of confidence in this game. I was winning the last end game, and then we go and bloody change it to this stupid thing. There's a you... reason we changed it, Jeff. It's because oh. you were winning. It's no, very hard, this. We can't well, let Everton win things. As or you I said, win though, Jeff, I think this week suits you. Why? Because you're tall. Oh, okay. okay. And oh, it's, it's appropriate this I'm week. I'm quite sure. We, we talked about West Ham a little bit, and uh, Thomas Suchek scored his... Uh, Third <coughs> headed goal of the season. Yeah. Uh, top of that list at the moment is Calvert Lewin with four. Um, this season. This season. I would like you both to name any of the top 19. 19. Of the headed goal scorers in Premier League history. So History? Yeah. So the top 19 headers. Yeah. Okay. So they've scored the most headers. I'll let you have two goes. Now, the reason I've gone 19, um, this is a bit of a clue, there's a load of players all bunched together on 22 headed goals. So yeah, to go okay. the top 20, you then jump to like 26. Yep. But that gives just an idea of how many goals. So 22 was, uh, was good enough for, for 20th place. So you just got to name anyone that's in the top 19. Can you tell me how many goals to get 20 to be 20th in the list? I just did. 22. 22 to, to be... T- 22 okay. goals. Tim Cahill. Uh, I didn't say you could go first, Jeff, but you can go first, Jeff. Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill. <laughs> God, that would have been really mean. Yeah, Timmy Cahill's there. Uh, Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer's also there. Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney is not there. No. Ooh. Wayne Rooney is one of the players on 22 headed Oh, What? I had Wayne Rooney down as an option. John Terry. Uh, no. Oh, oh, I had John Terry next, John. <laughs> that was very good. Okay, I need to have a uh, So we're, we're down to... Um, so, headed goals. Yep, just headed goals. Just headed goals. Who's yep. good at heading? I mean, here's something. This is going to sound really obvious, but... This list is old school. You you just you think of all these players Fellaini. of heading the ball. Yeah, okay. Like F- Fellaini. No. Oh. Uh, I've I've wait, have I got to get one to win? Yeah. yeah. Every single player. Well, I won't say this now. I won't. Les Ferdinand. Les Ferdinand. Yeah. I told you I'm not very good at this. Game. Every player on there, aside from Cahill, is a striker. Well, that's no good to me now. Teddy Sheringham? Teddy Sheringham. So, uh, Peter Crouch. Yeah. Top 53. Shearer. 
uh, sum up Les Ferdinand. He said, "I, I, I always had think, Crouch on my list too." Oh, you, well, why did you, where, where, Dion Dublin? The other one, Jeff, big dunk. Yeah, oh. I got Duncan Ferguson. Uh, active players, Giroud's on there. Don't rub it in now. Let's just end the show. End Harry, the show. Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Kane. <laughs> Harry Kane. Twenty-five. Andy Carroll. This is what I said in my message earlier. Don't overthink it. Just go with think, think of the best players. Uh, think of the people that score all the goals. It's a quick crap game. Let's go for Dion who, Dublin. Can next week can we do who played in what game? It was way better at that. <laughs> Benteke. Benteke. Um, <laughs> twenty eight. Really? Yeah. Of his twenty nine goals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what I think about have you ever scored? Seen he scored one overhead. amazing overhead for Liverpool yeah, against yeah. Man United. And that was once. It. Once. Um, has anyone got anything else before we go? No, no. It's Jeff, been... Jeff's uh, wallowing in his loser streak. Remember the old big man, oh, small man, Quinn, <laughs> Kevin <Cool>. Davis, <laughs> Gundogan, <laughs> KO. Okay, he didn't score many headers. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Uh, don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask us questions, or tell us what's wrong with us about something, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at Football Shed Podcast at Gmail. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye. Bye.